Hey, it's Ashley here, and as you probably know, our trip to Italy is coming up, and we're learning so much with the help of Wondrium. Wondrium is the educational platform with thousands of hours of trustworthy content on courses covering just about every topic. And Wondrium is giving Jesuitical listeners an amazing offer, a free month of unlimited access. Sign up now at wondrium.com Jesuitical. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. And we are currently sitting in New York City. But by the time you hear this, listeners, we will hopefully be in Assisi. Yes. Um, That's the plan anyway. Follow us on social media to make sure that's true. But as you're listening to this, we're uh, in the middle of our pilgrimage to Italy, but we didn't want to leave anybody without any content while we were gone. So we made sure to record this ahead of time for you. And yeah, it's a really great guest for us being in Assisi today because it's someone who's also in Assisi. Uh, Not today, but, you know, in 10 days. Yes, yes. Very appropriate. (laughs) We are talking to Elizabeth Garlow, who is an economist, a fellow at New America, and the founder of the Francesco Collaborative. And we'll explain what that is in a little bit. But she is in Assisi for the Economy of Francesco meeting, which um, is really cool. Pope Francis has invited all of these young people to Assisi to talk about economics, you know, looking at new economic models, Catholic social teaching. Um, This is big. And I know it's big for you because you actually have a degree in economics. Yeah, I I studied economics in college. But like like Elizabeth, I have found kind of the neoliberal economics I I was taught at the university challenged by Catholic social teaching and Pope Francis. So it it was fun to have that conversation. But we also talked a lot about issues that are facing young people today from student loans, the rising cost of housing, uh, just the rising cost of everything right now. Catholic social teaching can give us a new lens to look for solutions to these problems that that are really pressing on young people today. Yeah. And Elizabeth recommended a great drink. Um, she is from Michigan. Uh, and so she recommended one of my favorite beers, um, possibly my favorite. Uh, she recommended Cherry Oberon from Bell's Brewery. Um, I've been to Bell's. I love that place. Um, Ober- I, we just got the normal Oberon, which is like my favorite summer beer. And, and we're holding on to kind of the last grasp days of summer. So this was just perfect for this episode. Yeah. And this week, we don't have Signs of the Times because we're recording this in advance. But this is a great conversation, and we hope you'll stick around. First, though, we have a few words about our sponsor this week. So September always has me feeling like it's back to school season. And even though I don't go to school anymore, I still feel pretty nostalgic around this time of year. I miss kind of getting my my, my class schedule, showing up uh getting syllabus week, figuring out what I'm going to learn, just how much I was going to procrastinate on my midterms and final papers. And that's why we love having Wondrium, because even though we're not in school anymore, we can still keep our learning going. Wondrium is the educational platform that has courses on just about every topic you can imagine, from top university professors and experts who are incredible teachers. Yeah, so this week I've been nerding out with a course called The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. You know, we're both we're both editors, so we think we know the English language 
well enough. Uh, but there is so much more we can learn about how how words came to be, how language changes, um, how different dialects uh, uh, develop. And that's something you can learn about in this great course from Wondrium. And also how electronic communication, like texting is changing the way. Oh, yeah. that, like there's no line between text slang and slang. It's just kind of all the same now, which is just bizarre. Totally. So Wondrium lets us learn anything we're curious about from history and science to do-it-yourself and crafts. And you can get unlimited access to thousands of hours of audio and video courses, documentary, tutorials, and more. And we know that you'll love Wondrium too, and we want you to sign up today. Wondrium is offering our listeners a free month of unlimited access. But to get this offer, you need to visit our special URL. That's wondrium.com slash Jesuitical. Again, that's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash Jesuitical. Joining us from Huntington Woods, Michigan, is Elizabeth Garlow. Elizabeth is an economist and the founder of the Francesco Collaborative. Welcome to Jesuitical, Elizabeth. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for talking to us today. So we're recording this on August 31st, but in a few weeks, both you, Elizabeth, and us, we're going to be in Assisi, Italy. Uh, But you happen to be going at the invitation of Pope Francis for the Economy of Francesco meeting. Can you tell us how that initiative came about almost three years ago now? Yeah, it's been three years in the making. So I think uh, over a thousand uh, people are really anticipating this huge celebration getting together in Assisi, September 22nd to 24th. So really the origin of this is back in 2019, Pope Francis issued a letter to young people around the world inviting people to become protagonists of transformation in the economy. So it was kind of this unusual and spark of an invitation to get people, especially young people, young leaders and students, entrepreneurs, changemakers interested in building a moral economy. So that letter kind of kickstarted this global movement. And over the last few years, there have been hubs all around the world that have been organizing in their local geographies, um, including in North America, where I've been involved over the last few years. And what are these local chapters like usually doing on the ground? um, Is it largely sort of ideation phase right now, I guess, and talking about what a moral economy might look like? Or is is there a vision that we're kind of all working from? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, one of the things that's really neat about the Economy Francesco movement is the heterogeneity and sort of recognizing the differences depending on local context. So in North America, we've formed this group called the Francesco Collaborative, which Ashley mentioned at the outset. And what we've been really focused on is how to change our financial system to be more aligned with with our principles of Catholic social teaching and with the vision uh, that Pope Francis is putting forth for the economy. But there have been initiatives like in Colombia. I know there's a group that's been gathering, a group of young academics that's been gathering to kind of look at alternative economic theory and things they could bring into university settings to kind of broaden our understanding of economics and how it's taught. In Brazil, there's a partnership that's formed between young people in Brazil and Nigeria to form something called the Farms of Francesco, which is this network of regenerative farms. And so those are just some examples. 
Yeah. Can you talk about the significance of this happening in Assisi? Because it's called the economy of Francesco, yeah. but I assume Pope Francis wasn't naming it after himself, but <laughs> more St. Francis, who's from Assisi. Totally. So so what is? how are those two different Francis's inspiring this movement? I love that question. So it's I love it in particular because in anticipation of our conversation today, I was thinking about how inspired I was growing up by the story of St. Francis. And just kind of like seemingly drawn to his countercultural choices, his kind of radical choice of simplicity and willingness to step away from wealth, from the status quo. And I think in doing that, he kind of made a, a, a holy fool of himself and sort of mocked the system, mocked the status quo. And I think that that spirit kind of undergirds a little bit of this movement of the economy of Francesco. And so I think you're right. It is significant that we're gathering in a CZ, which kind of you know, is this centerpiece and, and place to reflect on the life and countercultural choices of St. Francis. And so I think that combined with the charism of Pope Francis himself and the ways that he's inviting us into a systemic critique of the economy really lay some strong groundwork. Could we talk a little bit more about what Pope Francis has said about, uh, I guess, yeah. capital T, capital E, the economy? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, real, I'm curious whether it's it's ra- rankled some people, um, particularly in the U.S. Yeah. People might assume he's, well, he's not talking about us. Um, or, or he, he doesn't, is talking about us, he, he talk- doesn't get the U.S. <laughs> yeah, also, the Pope's not an economist. What does he know about any of these things? Right. Um, maybe just like groundwork. Uh, what are some of the broad stroke critiques that Francis has made of the global financial system? Well, you know, I think what we see, um, can, if I could just take even a step back and kind of reflect on Francis in our the longer kind of lineage of our tradition. Like yeah. something that I find really interesting is to go back to I think it was Leo the 13th and Rerum Navarum, which, you know, was an encyclical that he wrote at a time when we were in the midst of an industrial revolution with a lot of social and economic upheavals, right? And the church sort of had a wealth of teaching on how to order a just economy, but the circumstances were so different at that time because of the industrial revolution that there were just these big moral questions that people were trying to reckon with. And so in that context, Pope Leo sort of decides to condemn the abuses and the inequities and the injustices of the sort of work and economic practices of that time. And what he did was so interesting. He kind of refused to embrace socialism and he refused to embrace the emerging kind of capitalism paradigm. And instead, he tried to look into the moral principles rooted in scripture and tradition and apply to the circumstances of the day. And so I think a lot of people might call Laudato Si, which Pope Francis issued in 2015, kind of like a modern latter-day Rerum Novarum, because just like Rerum Novarum gave this sort of moral diagnosis on early industrial capitalism, Laudato Si provides a sort of moral diagnosis on the social and environmental crises that are threatening our ability to flourish today. How And how much do you see what Pope Francis is saying as in continuity with that you know, mm-hmm. century-long tradition of social commentary? Um, and in what ways is he maybe not breaking with it, but uh, applying it in new ways to modern circumstances? And, yeah. and what are kind of like the, the main things of the modern economy that he's responding to? So I think he's very much keeping in the tradition of kind of social thought that really prioritizes, you know, some people will call like the twin poles of Catholic social thought are like the the person, the good of the person and the common good. Right. And I think he's really trying to uphold that and hold that together. Like 
how do we support human flourishing, but we how do we do it in a way that has the common good in mind and holds the common good together? So he he goes deep in emphasizing ideas around solidarity and reciprocity. Where I think he's like going out beyond kind of a lot of what has been said before is when he reflects on things like integral ecology, which I got to say, like, I still am wrestling with what exactly that means. Like, I've heard it. I've seen it written a lot of, you know, he's written a lot about it. And I think we're still unpacking, like, what does it mean to have this harmonious relationship between human beings and nature? What is, what does an integral ecology mean? And what kind of personal transformation is required for us to, like, be moving toward that harmonious relationship? So, you know, the other stuff he's talked about, which I find really interesting, is just this technocratic paradigm. Um, and I don't know if, you know, folks have read that or listened to that. There's this really interesting book um, called Let Us Dream that I read earlier this year um, and by Pope Francis. And the book is really kind of a, 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 an interesting critique of the ways that our society, and I think the U.S. is largely driving this, like putting economic growth in the quest for more as its main goal. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what Francis and the history of Catholic social teaching does is it like challenges a lot of assumptions that we have about what makes a good economy, right? Like yeah. you, you mentioned one, like we measure the strength of an economy. One of the ways we measure it is on how much we grew. Um, right. That is globally a way people look at that. And as you said, we're taking a step back and it's like, okay, can we can we have unlimited growth if we want to like live right. in a planet with limited resources? Is that like something for our integral human ecology that makes sense. What are some of the other assumptions maybe that Francis's is challenging, particularly for us in the United States? Because it seems like people get really angry whenever the Pope uh, tries to weigh <laughs> in on, like, you know, when he says yeah. this economy kills, right, um, right. it's easy to be like, oh, but 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 not us. Yeah, yeah. Or, or totally. he doesn't really get it. Like the other economy would kill way more. I'd say one characteristic that Francis frequently critiques is a kind of reliance on this narrative around selfish individualism. So like the underpinning of neoclassical economic theory, which helps inform and shape our capitalist economy um, as a political philosophy, is this idea that individual preference maximization, like I do the best thing for me and I optimize for that and that that will lead to the well-being of all. Like, I think he's critiquing that. <laughs> you know, I think this whole idea that maybe maximizing for individual preferences doesn't necessarily always contribute or lead to the common good is something we should think about. And also this idea of like the rational economic actor. Like if you remember this kind of anyone who's taken an econ 101 class probably heard of this homo economicus like idea, this narrative, this story that like people make these rational decisions around, you know, self-interest and that that will contribute or lead to the well-being of all. And I think part of the the underpinning of that that he's critiquing is like like hey actually like the benefits of economic growth aren't evenly distributed they're not and the sort of inequalities the systemic inequalities that have been furthered over time are actually wreaking havoc on society like in many ways they're tearing our civic fabric apart they're they're creating real consequences um and we should we should confront that so I know that you spent some time in Latin America, so that's something you share in common with Pope Francis. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to- He also to... spent some time in Yeah. <laughs> I guess an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I'm wondering how um, how your experience there has shaped, shaped how you think about the economy and maybe how that yeah. dovetails with some of Pope Francis's critiques. Yeah. Well, 
I certainly haven't spent as much time as Pope Francis <laughs> there, but the, the time I have spent was a real gift. I spent my third year of college doing a, a study abroad program in Chile, which was so interesting, actually, because I was living in this like in a post-dictator society, um, a society that was still grappling with the unraveling of uh, Pinochet's rule and frankly was like really critical of the U.S. role in politics there and the kind of ushering in of laissez-faire economic thought. And so it really exposed for me how deeply rooted my education was in neoclassical economic theory and how little exposure I had had to other ways of thinking and thinking about and studying the economy. I think when I came back from that study abroad program, I was really captivated by some principles that I had encountered there like solidarity and reciprocity and how that plays out in everyday economic choices, the kinds of work we do, the workplaces we have, our responsibility to each other, like what is a good life? What's a meaningful life? Like these really big philosophical questions. And there I just learned a lot about the practice of finance and economics in ways that really centered the concept of solidarity. We'll be right back. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The National Institute for Newman Studies invites you to their conference, St. John Henry Newman and Catholic Modernism, which will take place online and in person at the Galliott Center for Newman Studies on October 17th and 18th, 2022. This symposium will explore the Roman Catholic modernist crisis from a variety of angles and methodologies and highlight the reception of Newman's thought in one of the most tumultuous epochs in modern Catholic history. Visit www.newmanstudies.org for information and registration. As most of you know, we are on our trip in Italy right now. But before we went, we wanted to learn a bit more about the history and how that part of the world came to be. Yeah. So we've been checking out one of Wondream's brand new programs, Traveling the Roman Empire. It's hosted by archaeologist Darius Arya, and he's such a great guide. Something that didn't occur to me, but if you only focus on Rome, Rome was the size of basically the continental United States. It, the, the empire was anyway. And it'd be like trying to just focus on Washington, D.C. to get the whole picture of the United States, which of course is crazy. And that's why I love this new course from Wondering because he's taking us, you know, rock climbing, biking, even scuba diving to see all of these historic locations and get these new perspectives. Right. We love Wondrium because it's the educational platform where you can find courses on just about every topic you can imagine. And they come from top university professors and experts who are incredible teachers. And the best part is there's no homework, no grades. It's just learning for the pure enjoyment of learning. And right now, Wondrium is offering our listeners a free month of unlimited access. And to get this offer, you just need to visit our special URL, wondrium.com slash Jesuitical. Don't wait. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M 
com slash Jesuitical. I want to pivot a little bit to the role of young people in the uh, economy of Francesco movement, because obviously Francis has really encouraged young people uh, to, you know, be change makers um, in rebuilding this economy. Uh, yeah. But if I'm honest, the if you if you're just like reading headlines, it seems like the, the the deck is stacked against young people in particular. You know, looking at debt, inflation, cost of living, home buying, uh, raising parents. It seems right. like there's all these big issues. Um, that makes it really tough to kind of rebuild the plane while you're you're barely flying it, if you will. I'm wondering mm-hmm. what you're hearing from young people on the ground in regards to these things. Well, I think what you just laid out is in part precisely why there is such a fire in the belly to be a part of the Economy Francesco movement. Like, I think I had a baby a year ago, and I remember at that time thinking like, this is a really hard choice. And it's probably a harder choice than prior generations felt it was because of a lot of the things you laid out, the rising cost of living, the difficulties getting like being laid in with student debt, right? Like there's just a lot that our generation has had to navigate in terms of the direction our economy has gone in. And honestly, I think part of the the ways the economy has kind of in some ways furthered people's sense of isolation and loneliness, like it all goes back to these stories we're telling ourselves about what the good life is and how intertwined and wrapped up that is in neoclassical economics, not to get too nerdy about this. But like, I think a lot of people are longing for a reexamination of some of these big questions about like, what is this all about? What is a good life all about? Like, is it about, you know, trying to do whatever I can to make ends meet and like, you know, make as much money as I can to get as much stuff as I can to have a like... Or or do we want to challenge sort of the dominant narrative around material accumulation? And do we want to challenge the ways that our generation maybe has become so debt-laden in an economic system that sees kind of a a scarcity mindset that continues to feed rising prices? And so I think there's just a lot to unpack. And Pope Francis, I know, has been really inspired by the role that young people have played in the climate justice movement and wants to feed into that leadership and see it play out in in other areas such as the economy. You mentioned the isolating effect of our economy, and I think that's something um, that's really been exposed and maybe exacerbated for some by the past two years of the pandemic where, Mm. you know, where a lot of young people had found their community. I know this is true for me. It was was the workplace. Um, and then, right. you know, all of a sudden you're 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 working from home and you don't you don't have that that community. So I'm wondering what kind of what what have you learned over the past two years mm. about that? Um, and what what kind of discussions around community are you hoping to have in a CC? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for asking that, because I've been thinking a lot about that, too. Same thing. Started working from home and it was sort of a double-edged sword as I reflected on that. On one hand, I was like, gosh, it's so sad that I'm not like interacting with folks in my workplace anymore. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, it's so sad. Like that's where I found my community. Like what are the other areas of my life that I want to be nurturing and cultivating as places to find and build community, right? In the economy, Francesco, and in Assisi, I think many folks are recognizing that to make choices to kind of live out an alternative economic ethic, one that doesn't always center growth and material accumulation as like the end goal is a pretty countercultural decision when you think about it. Like think about the narratives and the stories that we're fed often about what our life should be about and what we're for. Like to make countercultural choices like that 
is really hard to do without community. And so I think people are finding this desire to have fellow travelers on the journey because choosing simplicity is a pretty radical choice. I really appreciate you saying that because what you know when you hear the call of St. Francis to like you know just give up everything give it all to the poor like I don't know there's part of you as a Catholic that's like yeah I would love to do that but then the idea of doing it practically it's not, that sounds isolating to me like I'm gonna <laughs> lose all of my friends like mm. I'm not gonna be able to you know hang out with people I'm just gonna be like on my own and so the idea yes. of trying to like build community around that makes it much less daunting to try to be holy. <laughs> well, I, and I appreciate you said that also because the last couple of years, what I'm finding is that as I take the time to reflect on this question of like, what is my most important work in this space or what am I, and like trying to find the courage to live into that more courageously and authentically, I'm finding my people. Like I'm finding <laughs> more people, like the more kind of authentic we are in that quest to try and live a, in, a, in a way that's deeply values embodied. Like we do, we find our people. You know, I, it's funny, the the relationship between like making personal choices and personal lifestyle, like, I don't know, resistances, if you will, even to like the structural like things that you want to fix. Yeah. It's a question I've always wrestled with because I, I was convinced pretty early on that structurally things are bad. Right. And it needs reformed. Um, but I never really I always would make excuses for myself um, in that, like, oh, well, my my personal contribution is sort of meaningless in the face of like the people that are actually pulling the levers sort of wrecking, wrecking mm. the world. And so like and I had a friend challenge me one time on the kind of need to like make these personal conversions of simplicity. And and she said, like, I, I'd be like, oh, well, what's the like point? And she said, holiness. And I like really struck me is that there was mm. a relationship between um, even if like as a Catholic, I'm compelled to believe that these choices that I make reflect or, or relate to the structures in ways that I might not yeah. be able to understand, Or, yeah. um, but it, it matters deeply. Zach, that is so resonant also because I've had a similar kind of quandary with myself. And I remember being really struck when I, struck when I learned that the do, like, do you all know what economy means? Like the word, what the root of it is? No. Isn't it's it like, like household? Yeah, it's household. It's like <laughs> tending to the household, tending to the home. And so I have been thinking about that. Like, is my house in order? Like, <laughs> am I living these values in my own household, in my own home? And like, just really recognizing too the kind of, you know, invitation of Catholicism, of our tradition to that live that call to holiness and wholeness. Like, how am I going to live an integrated life myself? And how does it begin with me? And we find this as we're working with investors. So we work with um, religious congregations and orders, like women, women's religious, the sisters, Catholic healthcare institutions, some foundations, others who have significant financial resources that they steward, whether in an endowment or something like that. And we we do workshops with them reflecting on this invitation of Pope Francis. And so often what I see is like things really click when someone goes through the exercise of saying like, oh, maybe I need to go and revisit my 401k holdings or retirement holdings, or maybe I should like think about shifting my money to a local credit union. Like how is how am I living this out in my own life, my own household, my own family? And that journey in some ways really begins and kind of kickstarts what we then need to bring as an agent of transformation in our organizations, in our institutions, and then consequently the bigger systems that we swim in. 
couple of quick points I want to hit on before we wrap up. Uh, if someone's at the beginning of their journey in sort of evaluating the economy or their or their sort of consumer choices uh, with a lens of Catholicism, what's a good place to start, do you think? Yeah, I've really been taken with just the the opportunity to go back and revisit um, Catholic social teachings, uh, core principles. So Anna Rollins has a series of really amazing interviews on each principle, like videos that she reflects on them and on their application to society. So that was a really important kind of refresher for me. Um, I've been uh, reading more of an economist by the name of John Rostakis. He has a book that's maybe almost 10 years old now at this point called Humanizing the Economy. And he brings up this kind of space of possibility to not get trapped in the binaries that we so often hear in U.S. culture and politics of like, oh, is it capitalism or is it socialism? Like, actually, let's think about the attributes of these systems and theories that we really love and want to preserve and move forward with. But how do we transcend them in this quest to always be more human, to always be really support human and planetary flourishing? So thinking about the market economy that we shape, that we make up, right? This is a human construct. So our participation really matters in it. Um, I think John Rostakis writes a lot about that in really beautiful ways. Awesome. We can link to all these in the show notes too. So people don't have to like frenetically (laughs) Google as they're listening right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, We hope we can run into you in Assisi. Um, That would be wonderful. (laughs) But before we let you go, uh, we do have one final question that we ask all of our guests. And that is if you could canonize one person, living or dead, Catholic or not, fictional or real, who would it be and why? One person that comes to mind is uh, (laughs) Sister Sue Ernster. She'll probably just blush like crazy if she hears this. (laughs) But she is um, a Franciscan sister in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And she came along very early in this journey with us and was like, I have no, like, I have not heard these terms before. I don't know, like this reading you're throwing at me. It's like brand new to me. Like, I don't really know. But she just went on this courageous journey of unlearning and relearning. And as the treasurer of her congregation has like shifted practices internally and like orders of magnitude that I wouldn't have thought were possible in the last year. And so I think her courageous leadership really points the way for me to what it means to be like a holy fool in today's economy. Like back to our like, you know, reflection on Pope Francis and to, you know, Pope Francis said in his letter to young people, like, I need you to be a protagonist of transformation and I need your organizations to be workshops of hope. And so I see Sister Sue doing exactly that in her congregation. It's a good reminder too, if you like, if you hear the word Chicago School of, of Economics and you and you kind of glaze over, you don't, it's, it's, it, that's okay. You don't actually have to know what any of that stuff means to get started. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining the show. If people want to uh, hear about what happened at the, the meeting, where can they find out more? Yeah. So the Economy of Francesco has um, a global website. If you search that, it'll come up and there will be several things live streamed September 22nd to 24th. So as you're listening to this, go check out the the website. You'll probably see a lot of great videos. Um, And then Francesco Collaborative is another thing you can search and you'll come across our site. And we've got a lot of great resources there, too. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Elizabeth. Thank you. So good to be with you. See you in a CZ. Sounds good. Jesuitical is produced by Sebastian Gomes with production assistance from Kevin Jackson and Cristobal Spielman. Our sound engineer is Kevin Christopher Robles. Faith Formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, leave us a review. Jesuitical is recorded in the William J. Loeshert Studio at America Media in New York City. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis. We'll see you next week.